You're listening to Calvary La Habra's podcast. For more information, visit us at calvarylh.com. Thanks for listening. All right. Well, it's uh, good once again to open God's word with all of you in your homes. I am uh, always excited to have Francel and Jay both pastoring here alongside myself here at Calvary La Habra. And uh, tonight we want to discuss what we studied on Sunday morning, which was uh, really just a survey that we went through in Acts chapter 2. I thought with so many questions uh, aimed at us right now about the church, I thought it'd be good to just go into God's word, look at the birthing of the church, and look at, well, what is the church that Jesus birthed? And to answer some of those questions, and the big one is, can we still continue to be the church in a pandemic while we are, well, adhering to stay-home orders? And so, um, prayerfully, you were able to glean from that study, and uh, we're going to have an open discussion about that. Um, the birthing of the church. We... Uh, we saw in a previous study we did when we talked about advancing the kingdom of God that Jesus had told Peter in Matthew 16, I'm going to give you the keys to that kingdom. And the idea was I'm going to let, use you to open the door for people to come in to my kingdom, for people to, to be saved. And we know that the first people to make up the church when the church was birthed, it was Jews. It was It was 50 days following Passover. It was Pentecost. Jesus has already ascended into heaven. And he had told some of his disciples to tarry, to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. And in Acts chapter 2, we see 120 faithful gathered, praying, and the Holy Spirit falls upon them. And these Jews began to speak in different dialects. It was a unique gift that God had given to the church where they would speak with different tongues. Peter, who Jesus said he would use to lead people into the kingdom, would stand up and he would begin to explain to them what is happening. And to summarize that, he was saying, hey, this is a promise of the Father. It's a plan of the Father. And he would begin to preach Jesus. So it was a plan that involved Jesus coming as Savior, coming as Messiah, taking on flesh, dying in that flesh, being buried in that flesh, and being raised from the dead. And it says that when he began to to just explain that, and he was really articulating the Word of God, when he began to explain that, it says that the people were cut to the heart in verse 37. And that ideas that they were convicted. In other words, we've all come to that place. And maybe if you're, well, not maybe, if you're a Christian out there, I'm sure there was a time when someone was telling you about Jesus and you were convicted and you realized you were wrong about Jesus. Maybe you wrote him off. Maybe you didn't believe in him at all. Whatever that was, you wrote, you wrote him off. And that's what these Jews had done. They had resigned to the fact that Jesus was worthy of the cross, that he was put away as, an, as a, 
a, a person worthy of death. But now he's raised from the dead. He's walked on the earth for 40 days. The infallible proofs during those 40, day, 40 days seem to resonate in people's hearts a little bit more. I know it did for the disciples. Because they, they changed from being deserters and deniers to being avid followers. Mm -hmm. And so as they were gathered there, Peter's explaining and the individuals that were listening were hearing the word of God as it reflected upon Jesus, who he was, why he came and what he had to offer. And, and they were convicted. And as they were convicted in verse 37, it says, what must we do? In other words, how can we make this right? Mm -hmm. And Peter said, you need to repent. And uh, I know we've all taught on repentance. We understand what repentance is. But I just really summarize that in a very simple way. To repent is to turn from what you believed towards something else. They were turning from being wrong about Jesus. They, they were cut to the heart about being wrong about Jesus. And they turned from that to what Peter was saying about Jesus, which was right. And so they had heard that Jesus was the son of God, that he, of course, was the savior of the world. He was God's plan to save the world. And they were, they were now saying, what must we do? And repentance is part of that. And from there, he also said, you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. And of course, he's talking about what would happen when people were converted. There's an inner work of God in our heart when we're saved. And baptism is a way to outwardly display what God has done on the inside. And then lastly, in verse 40, he would say, be saved from this perverse generation. Mm. And I simply noted, and I'd like to recap on this, that when you turn to Jesus, there is a genuine turning away from what you were and what you followed. And, and that's, what, that's what conversion is about. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, we are a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And then lastly, they gladly received, they welcomed Peter's word, and they were, they were baptized. 3,000 souls were baptized were added to the kingdom. So the church was birthed. The church that Jesus said he would build in Matthew 16 was now, was now birthed. And so rather than spend our time elaborating on that, I'm sure you guys have lots of things to say about that, the, the church is now. It's, it's at the, from that point forward, it's alive. It's a living entity. Jesus is living in these people. Spirit of God has come upon these people. And everything that God does, he does with a purpose in mind. And as we go through Acts chapter 2, we begin to learn about some key principles as to what Jesus intends the church to be. And so that's where I, I just considered how important it is for us today to continue being the church. And in a pandemic, can we continue to be the church? Well, that matters on what you define the church as. And that matters on what you see the word of God displaying the church to be. 
Obviously, in, in the first part, we saw genuine salvation. So for the church to continue being what Jesus birthed the church to be today, we should still see genuine conversion. We should see, we should see the church, if we are being the church that Jesus birthed, we should be people telling others about him, explaining the gospel to them as to who Jesus is, why he came, and the salvation that he offers. And as a result, if God's in that, people will be cut to the heart. They'll be convicted. Mm -hmm. As a result, they will repent. They'll receive him and turn. There'll be a noticeable transformation in their life if the church is continuing to be what Jesus birthed. So the question is, can we still see that today during a pandemic? <laughs> yeah, uh, so we're seeing, obviously we're doing things online and, and we are doing what we can uh, with what means that we have and what's allotted to us, but we're seeing a number of people come to the Lord. And we saw a number of people accept the Lord on Sunday uh, when he gave the message. Uh, we are going and we are seeing that as we go out into uh, the public, as we've had opportunities to be out at different places. And there's a lot of people asking questions, a lot of people uh, seeking right now, and we're still seeing conversion. In fact, this is a very good time to be able to preach the gospel and tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ. Would you say that the, the soil is fertile? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, that's what, and that's what happens when there's fear. When there's fear, there's an openness uh, because now people see that there's a desperation. A lot of times, you know, we've all been in, at hospital calls and we've been in those hospital rooms when people are in a time of uncertainty when they get a diagnosis. Maybe they are on their last days and sometimes last hours. And not only them, but the people in the room a lot of times are just desperate to, to have some, some hope in those desperate situations that they can't control. They re finally realize that, that there's something that they can't uh, correct. And that's where we've seen a lot of people open. And you've seen people on the bedside uh, accepting mm -hmm. Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. So we've all personally seen, and our church has had a number of people call in as we're talking to people with the same story that the people they're talking to, it seems like it's easier than ever to talk to them about their faith, to talk to them about Jesus, to share the gospel. For the average church attendee that came here on a regular basis, would you guys say, based on talking to our congregation now, that more people before COVID-19 were inviting people to church and to hear the gospel? Or would you say, Ever since COVID-19, more people are inviting people to listen to the gospel. Obviously, ever since. It is not before. It is ever since this has happened. And uh, you, you said something in the beginning of this that, um, you know, a fertile ground. Well, how do we get not only a fertile ground in believers? Well, it's when believers come together with non-believers and are faced with a similar situation. Mm -hmm. And God uses the heart of a, of a believer that's, that's revived. Um, 
and he reaches the non-believer that's also in that same situation. And so this is where we're at. We're in that uh, fertile time where uh, we're in this together as believers and non-believers. And as believers, it's almost uh, 1 Thessalonians where it tells us, says, as believers, um, and it's a principle, um, as believers, we don't mourn without hope. And that's even in, in troubled times, we as believers have hope. And so we have that to give to the non-believing world. And they, they're recognizing that. They're recognizing the hope that we have. And it is. It is much easier to share right now. Um, and it's much easier. It's actually emboldening me because I, I've seen how uh, receptive friends are, how receptive family members are, how receptive neighbors are. That, that yeah. before, it, life is, is normal and you're wasting their time. Now they want to hear. Now they want to hear what the hope is. And you, and you gave a statistic on an early study the, on percentages of how often people share. I don't know if you remember mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, what that percentage actually was. I know that with the, the Catholic Church, uh, the statistics show that uh, a person shares once every 15 years on average uh, with somebody. And so, I, but I remember you gave Yeah, mine was the, a quote from the Billy Graham Association. And they had surveyed and come up with the, uh, the number of 95% of all Christians have never shared the gospel with another person. Yeah, and, and we're given the Great Commission and it's often said, you know, this is the great suggestion uh, because a lot of people don't take that and, and go and share the gospel, go and share that good news. And those are alarming statistics. But this is given an opportunity. Like you mentioned, a lot of people being emboldened to, they're behind a computer, but to send out a link to share with somebody, uh, to watch uh, an online platform or something like that. And people have taken advantage of that. And we've seen just in our personal church, our numbers grow uh, on our listening audience. And we've seen those things happen. So in the early church, when you said, hey, what's the church? You could point to it and say, well, there's this guy or these people sharing the gospel. And the power of that message is being received and people are convicted, and they're repenting, and they're being saved, and there's evidence to that conversion, right? Mm -hmm. Correct. And so what you're saying today, we still see that. We saw it, obviously, leading up to the pandemic for the last 30 years, and we've seen it exponentially grow through the pandemic. Now, again, let me, let me say this. We are, we are not here making an argument um, in any way, shape, or form against group assembly and no. what God has done or desires to continue to do in the future in these four walls. We're simply stating the facts Amen. of what we wake up to and what we believe the church is called to do through a pandemic. We, we believe that we're not supposed to just survive this, but we are to thrive in the midst of this. Amen. So salvation. Then in verse 42, um, we begin to see some things that, that define the early church, that those same things must define us if we are 
to continue being the church. And so it says in verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Now I had 20 minutes to teach on that. I'll let you guys have the floor on <laughs> discussion. So the doctrine speaks of, of teaching. And so it speaks of, of right belief. And, and so doctrine is important for the, the church to grow in a healthy way. Uh, the Bible talks about in Ephesians uh, chapter 4 that, that some have been called to be pastors and teachers and so forth. Uh, to be able to give out the word and to be able to teach what the word of God says so that people understand uh, God, understand the principles that are outlined here, and understand how to live a Christian life. Yeah, you know, uh, practically, I don't think um, there's more um, fertile ground in my heart for the word of God than this time. You know, there's, there's, we are busy. There's times I was just sharing with my wife. There's times where I really have five minutes in the word, and those five minutes have been so rich. And um, there's other times I have longer, and everything in the word right now is, is really helping me and my perspective. And so continuing, you know, and, um, you know, and I want to piggyback on what you said too, Lance. Um, this is not a pitch for, for the lack of gathering. You know, there's not a day that doesn't go by, the Lord doesn't put someone on my heart that I want to embrace, mm. that I want to talk to. And I do, mm. and I talk to them. And there's not, there's not a day that goes by that someone doesn't, hey, I haven't, hey how you doing? I'm like, oh, I want to see that person. So we long for that. Amen. We long for that. But um, yesterday in, in the Daily Devo, we had one of our leaders share um, about encountering Christ. And one of the things, one of the, the uh, encounters he, 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 he quoted was Isaiah. And when Isaiah sees him in chapter 6, and he has this encounter with him, and speaking about this whole situation, and does it change? And it says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, seated on the throne. God is still sitting down <laughs> through this pandemic. Mm -hmm. he's, not, he's not standing up in, in confusion, standing up in, in like, what just happened? He's still sovereign. And especially during this time, and I appreciate that perspective, and especially his word is still relevant. More yeah. than ever is it relevant to know my um, my wife was sharing scriptures with some of our non-believing family on uh, Mother's Day, and they shared scriptures back. Mm. <laughs> so it is profitable <laughs> to bring hope, to bring direction, and you know, as you said, you know, to is, and I'm taking these things to heart. Is it shaping my life right now? What's shaping me? The pandemic? The news? The fear? Or is it the word of God that shapes my life? You know, I, I, wanna, I want the word of God to shape my heart, to shape my actions, to shape my relationships, especially in this time. And so <clears throat> the word of God is still going out. And like we said, it's going out even at a greater rate and more frequent, even uh, for us personally in our church, uh, we had our online audience was was part of what we do.
but we hadn't paid a ton of attention to it because we had a, a church here, we had a sanctuary that was full, and so most of our energy was put onto those as we uh, are encountering them each and every week. And then when this happened, our, we had a shift and in, in focus in on some of those online platforms and start to develop that, which a lot of other churches did. And so you're seeing a ton of teaching, a ton of teaching going forth. And so uh, this hasn't stopped. The means by which it's happening is, is just changed. And so it's not what we're used to. I mean, teaching from a pulpit and teaching from the platforms that we've had here uh, at this, uh, on our premises. So the early church, they, they really prioritized the word of God. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they would have read it in, uh, in um, <clears throat> verse 46. It talks about what they did. They continued with one accord, sometimes in the temple and sometimes house to house. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes people look, look to us. Even, Jay, you referred to what God gave to the church, pastor teachers, for the equipping of the saints, the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And oftentimes they come here, and we are the Bible dispensers in their life. And, and that's not totally our role. <laughs> it's, it's our role because God's gifted us to do that, but we are equipping them with the word of God we're equipping them with how to study it themselves. We all are to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that rightly can divide uh, the word of God. So I think what happens in a lot of churches, it happens in ours. A lot of people grow to this expectation. And I might read a devotion in my house. I might listen to a podcast I'm going to listen to all these other guys digging in and extracting out and handing to me. Mm-hmm. And we, we as Christians are all called to, you know, pick up God's word, to read God's word. We are responsible as individuals. Would you guys agree? Yeah. Absolutely. And we have taught our church that. We have a lot of mentoring programs that are ongoing because we had developed them in years past. And so would, would you say that the church could continue being the church and not just, like you said, teaching as we are from the public platforms, but it's almost like God has given each member in the church some time in their homes to do in their homes what we do in these four walls. Isn't that interesting? And if we really see ourselves as the church and not Calvary La Habra that we attend as the church, but we see ourselves as the church, we will take that very serious. You know, um, all my all my kids, adult kids have gone through Jay's youth program and I have shared with Jay um, how much I appreciate Jay and his input. But I I will tell you, though, not as a pastor, but as a father, I jealously want to have a bigger voice than Jay. Yeah. I did. Yeah. I want to have a louder voice in my wife's ear than you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just do. Please. And, and, um, <laughs> but 
you know, and I even struggled with that, and I realized God's a jealous God, and I'm going to follow that model. And yes, we're supposed to, as, as it talks about in, in what you talked about, we, 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 we have those gifts to equip the body for the work of ministry. And so this is, the, hopefully we've equipped the body to keep on working in ministry during this time, especially in the home. You know, I was reading over Nehemiah, in Nehemiah chapter 3, as we've been just talking about doing what we're supposed to be doing. And um, in Nehemiah chapter 3, it talks about the priest building in front of their homes. First, yeah. First, that's where they built. And then later on in chapter 4, four verse 10, it talks about that Judah recognized that the laborers were weary. And it says that they were weary because they were building on top of rubbish. And it's like, okay, we, we've been talking about what is God doing? And you know what? If, there's some, if we're getting weary, we better ask ourselves, what are we building upon right now? And it's okay to say, you know, hey, let's, let's dig out the rubbish and start building the wall on something that's solid. Mm-hmm. And that's what? The word of God. Not not these voices that we're listening to, not all these videos that are going around. And it, I, I need information to take it in to understand, but all that needs to be filtered through the word of God and allow him and his word to be the foundation. You know, in Revelation, Jesus had a word for the church. And this is something to take to heart. It's to the church in Philadelphia. And he says, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have little strength. You have kept my word and have not denied my name. You guys remember in October, no, I'm sorry, in January of last year, uh, no, this year, we were talking about, we just sensed God was going to clear our calendar. Mm. You remember that? I do. We had a, a, a staff meeting. We were like, we need to look at everything this year and ask, is it of God? We always say, might be good, but is it God? And what we were doing, we were looking at the fruit. We were very busy. Everything's well attended. But all the activity, all the outreach, we really were assessing the fruit and saying, is that bringing conversion? Is that making disciples? Is that bringing glory to God as a result of that? And we were, we were willing to table all the work. Remember we said... We started off, well, so should we still have Sunday mornings? Yep, got to still teach the Word of God. It's got to worship. Gotta, should we have Wednesday night? Yeah, we should. And then I said, what about, and we just went through the different outreaches, and we, we put it all on the table and said, Lord, you show us what to do. We had no idea that in just a few days ahead, God would sh- just table all that stuff and say, I'm going to give you a season where you can focus on my son and mm. focus on my word. So um, we have, I believe, done very good with all the daily devos and all the teachings, all of the different ministries coming in here and recording. We have kept his word and we have not denied his name. Amen. So also they, there was an emphasis on, on fellowship, which is an interesting word. Um, it says they continued steadfastly in fellowship. And... Um, you know, I think when we think of fellowship, we think of gatherings and potlucks 
and the group that we meet with after church. And we think of social. I think if you ask your average Christian what fellowship is, they might talk about the fellowship, that fellowship, this fellowship. But uh, we noted that the word koinonia uh, speaks of more of a, a spiritual work, a spiritual partnering. It's what the Lord does when you share his life in you with me and I share his life in me with you. His love that he has poured in my heart, I share that with you and vice versa. His word, vice versa. And oftentimes people relegate that to a church setting. It's got to happen in a church setting. What time's the potluck? What time? You know, and that's true. There's an element of fellowship that happens there, but that, that's not the sole place for that. Yeah. And so here we are in a pandemic, stay home orders. Some people have underlying health issues. Some people have some real reasons to be reserved and to keep some real distance from people right now. And, you know, what do we say about that? How do we then take what we know to be spiritual participation, which means we do unite, we do talk, and how do we apply this to the church today? If we're seeing that was the early church, that's what Jesus birthed, well then, if we are to be the church today, how do we, how do we have this spiritual fellowship? Mm. I think... Oh, go ahead. No. Well, I think just like we were talking about with the idea of people uh, allowing us to, to do all the studying, to teach, and, and we're kind of spoon-feeding them, and that's their extent of their, their Christianity and their walk. And, and now, with fellowship, this, the same principle can apply where maybe people have waited for the church to provide a potluck to provide different times steak where, and study. yeah, steak and study, and <laughs> and all those other times where you have this fellowship or quinonia, what the the Greek word speaks about, and to have things in common is was it's referring to, um, and so there's this this spiritual commonness that 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 happens, and and we gladly provide those things, but now it's a time for you to take that and for you to go out and for you to apply that in the sphere that, that God has you in. Uh, just like with the word of God, we've given you enough teaching, we've given you enough things for now you to go and implement it in this time. So with the same thing with fellowship, go and implement it however you can. As you mentioned, you can gather 10 people, you can gather in smaller groups and, and with family and, and neighbors and so forth and figure out creative ways to be able to do that but the emphasis is not just on the, the social part, as you had mentioned in your study, uh, but it's, it's uh, a spiritual aspect. And so it's something that's directive and something that's purposeful and pointing to Jesus Christ. Yeah, you know, when you say the church and you said, you know, relegating to the church, relegated to the church, what you guys are saying is this church building. And it is not relegated to this church building. Mm -hmm but it is relegated to the church. It is given to the church to do these things. Who's the church? You come over to my house, we have dinner, we're the church. Mm -hmm. We go to a park and, and social distance and throw some lawn chairs in someone's front yard and talk about the study. We're the church. 
So we could fellowship, and we have been fellowshipping. My wife and I, on Mother's Day, we, we did the deliveries, and we, we stood in front of, if Kenny's watching, Kenny, 91 years old, he, he talked our ear off, and we fellowshipped mm -hmm. for 45 minutes on his front porch. Sure. 45 minutes. He didn't want us to leave. We had more deliveries to make, but we fellowshiped. We, we shared a common bond in Jesus Christ. We were the church. The three of us were the church. And th that's the fellowship that we're talking about. You know, we heard about um, someone for the first time ever that they came on March 15th, the last, the last time we met as a big church gathering. And they are now meeting in their front yard with neighbors and lawn chairs, their children doing worship and watching us and discussing with the neighbors. Is that not the church? They're continuing to be the church. Is that not fellowship? That's Amen. fellowship. Amen. Amen. You know, um, I used to say a joke jokingly that if, if I wasn't a Christian, I would come to this church. <laughs> Man. I used to say, they park my car, they open the door, they hug me, I don't have to buy any cologne, they rub it on me. They, they seat me. They, they, they don't ask anything from me. They've got what I would see as great worship, a very handsome man teaching God's word. I mean, you know, all that humorous stuff. But there's so much that we catered to the body. And we did that with, I mean, we, we're not a numbers church, but these are thousands of people. And we did it with a percentage of maybe 10 to 20% of the people. Mm. All these years, it's been about 20% of the people that are behind what the church is. And a large percentage of the church are participants. Mm. That's serving, that's giving, that's teaching, that's counseling, that's mentoring, that's food prep. That's every activity in this church, for the most part, it's a smaller percentage of the church catering to the larger percentage of the church. And, hey, if they're growing in their walk with the Lord, if a small percentage of the, the people attending are growing, it's, that's why we do it. We're doing it as unto the Lord. Mm -hmm. But the facts remain. And so I wonder, there's a lot of people right now saying, we've got to open up the church we gotta, we got to get the church doors back open. If I was in that percentage of people that was catered to, I'd be wanting the church doors open too. <laughs> yeah, come on, open the doors, man. I love the barbecues. I love hanging out with all these guys. I love you parking my car. I love, you know, I don't have to do anything. It's the greatest thing. And you're helping me grow my walk with Jesus Christ. Well, guess what? The, the, the two-year-old stage just ended. And he's asking us all now to grow up and be the church. And I shared this with you guys a long uh, days, weeks ago, that I am not going to wake up in a pandemic and, and not see this as God allowing it. Mm. I'm going to embrace it wholeheartedly for what it is with me, my wife, with you guys, and, and with our church. And I know that there's a lot of people who aren't going to wake up with that same conviction. They're going, to, they're going to wake up and say, it needs to be the way it used to be. And I, for one, am not going to wake up with that self-confidence. Mm. 
and question what God has allowed. I, for one, am not comfortable with that. Uh, I don't want our church to be comfortable with that. But I think that's what's driving a lot of people for saying, we got to open the doors. I'm not saying it's wrong to wish for that or to pray for that or to desire that. We all wish for that, pray for that, and desire that. But what if the Lord, as we went through James chapter 1 in our devos this week, what if the Lord is allowing this to test our faith, to build patience in us, to mature our faith, to strengthen our faith? Well, I think for some people just attending church, and they're not participants as far as serving and giving and, and using their gifts, their faith is only going to grow so far. Would it be just like God, just like the groom, Jesus, the head of the church, to allow the church a season to challenge their faith and to test their faith so that he might mature and grow their faith in a home where it wouldn't grow in a church? I believe that's the case. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's okay. And I think we've got to be careful to not rush God. I think we've got to be careful to not push God and put demands on God because God knows exactly what the church needs. Mm. And he knows how long we need to be in any trial as an individual marriage or as the church. Yeah, I'd, like you said, we're all anxious to, to get back to see people and be able to hug them and to be able to just have what we've had in the way of fellowship, in the way of just our relationships uh, with everyone. And those things are important uh, because even in the scriptures that we see here, uh, it says that they met in one accord in the temple. and there was, So there was corporate things that they did. Uh, there was also the house-to-house -house things that they did. And so both of those things are important for a healthy church body uh, to operate. But obviously there's certain things that are going to limit us right now to, and we, we're looking at uh, safety things, we're looking at, at just when God is going to direct and open up those opportunities to be able to come back. But for sure, like you were saying, God uses all these things and nothing happens by coincidence. And we always say it's always by divine appointment. So what is God speaking to us? What is God speaking to the church as a whole? And just like you mentioned, I don't, I don't think that God wants just participants, uh, people that just are going to observe church and have church the way it was. We're praying that when God opens the, the opportunity to be able to get back, that the church wouldn't be the same, but it would be different. And that is with people exercising their gifts, people becoming more a part of what God has desires them to be in being active in the roles of, of being in a corporate setting and also going into, into private settings. And, and so what you're learning right now at home uh, and maybe reaching out to people online, maybe reaching out to neighbors, that shouldn't stop if the doors open up. Absolutely. In fact, it should grow. And you should mm -hmm. understand the, the, what does God teach you in this time that he wants those things to continue and is maybe giving us that opportunity to develop that, that boldness, develop those gifts, and uh, for us to step out in faith. So practically, spiritually, God is desiring, I believe, to grow us, mature us, strengthen us, our, our faith. And then practically, the ways that we can do that, um, for us to sit back and to put that on the church doors need to be open, we could miss out 
on every opportunity God has given us. Uh, Lori and I, uh, we have our, our people that we go to and we knock on doors. Uh, I know that I personally visit some people where they're not good coming out of their house. We have great fellowship. We talk, we laugh, we pray. I have met them where they're comfortable. Uh, other people we call. Um, last night I was up late on a Zoom with a group that I met with all year. Uh, this week would have been a year. I've met the first uh, Tuesday or Thursday of every month. And um, we, 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 we sat there and, and pulled our food together and had fellowship. I ate my dinner. They were eating their dinner. And we sat there and, and discussed the life of David and went through our chapter. And we were on that Zoom for, I don't know, two and a half hours. And it was rich fellowship. Mm. And whether it's phone calls, Zooms, webinars, you know, having someone come to your house, you go to their house, these things are allowing the church to continue steadfastly in fellowship. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, the breaking of bread I hit, uh, which refers, you know, they, they ate together. You know, Lori and I got a, a phone call late on Saturday night. Some people in our area were having a meal, and they just said, would you like to join us? And I looked at Lori. We were, you know, we go to bed early on Saturday nights, <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, let's go, you know? And, mm. and yeah, we all, you know, kept our distance, and they were comfortable with us. We were comfortable, and we just had a great time of, you know, just fellowship and just talking about the Lord and breaking bread. But in that day, they would also celebrate the Lord's Supper at the end of the meal. And, you know, this is something that we've seen men be uncomfortable with. I've never led my family in communion. No better time. Uh, we have had two communion services here at the church, one on Good Friday and one on the National Day of Prayer, yes. where we allowed people to drive up in their cars and, um, and have service here. So uh, the second half of this study, um, I'll be teaching on Sunday, and I would just encourage you to tune in and, um, again, just focusing on continue being the church. Uh, with that in mind, uh, just talking about a, a couple of practical things. Um, we, we are uh, focusing as a church on what Jesus and what his word is about and what it's for. Mm. We're not focusing on other stuff. And I'd like to say as well, we're not minimizing other churches, other pastors, other Ministries that have a focus on, you know, getting the church back to gathering or any of the political um, things that we're hearing about. We're not against that. We're not minimizing that. We just feel, as I said Sunday, that when it comes to advancing the kingdom of God, it just seems that God places us in different places, different fronts in the battle. And we want to stay focused on where God has us right now and what he wants us to do in that battle. And we are one of the churches that we're open. You know, we're not having group assembly services, but every day we are here. The staff is here. We are being the church. And we are mobilizing our church in our area and abroad to continue being the church. Um, This Sunday... Uh, I'll, I'll teach both aspects of this and uh, the second half of this. And then during uh, the second service at 11 o'clock, uh, 
for those who are desiring some fellowship. You want to see some people. We are going to open our front parking lot, just like we did on the National Day of Prayer. And uh, from 11 o'clock to 1230, um, you could park your car out there. As soon as you pull onto our property, um, we'll give you a radio station that you can dial in. And it's an FM radio station that we own. And we'll be set up on the front parking lot. And, um, and you'll be able to hear me preach from your car, if that's what you so desire. You'll be able to see uh, other congregants that are gathering here as well. Our staff will be here and other volunteers. Uh, and that's another opportunity for you that are desiring fellowship. We know it's limited. We know it's not the same as standing uh, in the sanctuary, greeting the people that you would greet uh, every Sunday or on a Wednesday night. But it's what lot God has given us. And so we've prayed about this. We believe that it is a, uh, a step forward we're testing the waters to see how ready is our church to actually coming back. Mm. As we um, had a uh, Sunday night, and we, we did the same thing. We welcomed our church to come and drive through in, and pray on a, on a Sunday night. We were excited about all the people that came. But I remember gathering on Monday, and our hearts were grieved because we said, wow, our church is not ready to come back. As we gathered on the National Day of Prayer and opened our parking lot, um, the same was true. We, we, we were glad for everybody that came. Um, it was great to pray with them and to worship with them. But the next day we were like, hey, we're, we're fairly sure our church is not ready to come back and to gather even in cars. Mm -hmm. And if there's a fear that's holding people back, we understand that. We respect that. We're not pressuring anybody. But if you have peace about getting in your car, and, uh, you know, seeing some people from car to car and seeing us this Sunday at 11 o'clock pull up again on the church parking lot. We'd love to worship the Lord, break God's word with you uh, during that time. Well, thank you guys for uh, spending time uh, with me and um, breaking down God's word. Jay, would you maybe close us in prayer and, you know, just invite people even that might be listening that don't know the Lord just to pray along with you and accept him if that's their, their, their need. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so for those of you who are listening out there that do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, maybe you've lived your life and, and you are thinking that you are a good person and that that is the merit by which you can enter into heaven. That if you were to die today that you would be in heaven. The Bible assures us that no one is good. All of us are sinners. We are born in a sinful world, and that sinful nature has been passed on. And as we look back in Genesis, we see that Adam uh, sinned and Eve, and that got passed on from generation to generation. So we are in a fallen world. So the Bible assures us that because of that sin, and because of us being in a fallen world, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, meaning none of us deserve heaven. And so... Jesus Christ came to make a way for you and I to be able to get to heaven, not on our own merit because we can never do that, but on the merit of Jesus Christ. And he came and he died for our sins. The Bible says that God sent his son into this world to die for you and I, that all we would have to do is put our faith and trust in him and then we could be saved. Now, putting our faith and trust in him, uh, there's two aspects to it, and that is that we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart. Because when I believe in my heart, the Bible says that, that I believe 
uh, unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And so there's two parts, not only me believing personally uh, within myself, but also standing up and confessing. It's an outward uh, confession that I am accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Uh, Jesus said that if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. But if you accept me before men, I will accept you before my Father in heaven. You have to understand that today we're, we're guaranteed right now. Nobody's guaranteed the next few moments, tomorrow, the next week, and so forth. And so we don't want to play with eternity because this is for all eternity. This is an opportunity for you to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You have to think that you may never be as close to heaven as you are today. And so there isn't time to waste. We don't know what's going to happen. It doesn't have to be a pandemic. It could be anything. And so we have to understand that, that we're only one breath away from eternity. But God loves you, and he cares for you, and he desires a relationship with you. And so if you would... Pray this prayer with me. Now, there's nothing magical in this prayer. It's just you confessing to the Lord that you are a sinner and that you're in the need of a Savior. And so you'll be accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. So if you can, as you're in your home, you can bow your head with me, and I'll lead you through this prayer. Uh, Dear Jesus, please forgive me for all of my sin. I want to confess to you that I am a sinner and I want to accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. I invite you to come into my heart and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I thank you for coming and dying on the cross and offering eternal salvation to me. I thank you that I can now be assured of the, that I will be in heaven for all eternity. I love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.